I very rarely appreciate myself, but looking smooth today, baby. How you doing? Oh, yeah. Looking like a snack, Mr. Steal Yo Girl. If your girl has daddy issues and low standards. I don't know what that was. Welcome back to the Philip DeFranco Show. It is Thursday, February 11th. Boom, nailed it. Things are still kind of blurring together. Uh, hit that like button, otherwise it will punch you in the throat. And let's just jump into the news of the day so you can get back to yours. And the first thing we're gonna talk about today is a huge update regarding CD Projekt Red. Right, earlier this week, we covered the hacker who claims to have stolen multiple internal files, was essentially blackmailing CD Projekt Red, and now they've reportedly sold that data on the dark web. Right, notably, it wasn't just the source codes for games like Cyberpunk 2077 and The Witcher 3, but actually documents related to accounting, administration, legal, H and investor relations. And as far as the alleged sale here, IGN reported that it was done in the form of an auction, though uh, it also included an upfront purchase price of $7 million. While we don't actually know how much these files ended up selling for, according to a dark web monitoring organization, the auction was closed after what they called a satisfying offer, with reportedly part of the conditions being that the code would not be distributed or sold further. Then we had Mr. Beast in the news because his Mr. Beast burger chain has now gone international, opening up multiple locations in Canada. Well, I know some, especially back in December, and they've continued to have this opinion, have dismissed the idea of this Mr. Beast Burger being anything but a publicity stunt, I would personally argue that it gives us a glimpse at the future of the influencer economy. And I mean that both in the power of creators who have very, very dedicated audiences as well as the economy and systems being built out to support those people. Because if you're not aware, Mr. Beast Burger is operated out of existing kitchens, right? Which is why when you had people looking further into where Mr. Beast Burger actually was, because you were only really able to get it from a delivery app, you had people finding that their Mr. Beast Burger was actually being made by places like Buca de Beppo. Right, so it creates this ultimate win-win situation. You get Mr. Beast or whoever getting a new revenue stream or money that they can put towards donations or whatever. And then you have the restaurant, which needs new revenue streams. Right, a lot of places are hurting because of the pandemic. It's killed traffic in store. And of course, now that you have someone like a Mr. Beast slamming through with his massive, massive audience, the question becomes, who is next? And it appears among the first, you have comedian Elijah Daniel, who reportedly launched Gay Burger in several locations across the country. With Daniel saying here that the proceeds will be going to the Los Angeles LGBT Center. And I guess where I want to end this story is a question. What should I launch? Daddy DeFranco's Burgers, Phillies Phillies, or DeFranco's Donuts? Let me know. Also, a quickie story and update about the power of influencers. You might remember a few weeks back, we talked about the massive gamer, creator, musical artist that is Corpse Husband. At the time, he exposed and complained about Spotify not putting him in editorial playlists. And at that time, we talked about the kind of mainstream gatekeeping nature of, of services like Spotify and then the power of the playlist. But I mean, speaking to the power of creators and diehard fan bases, it appears that even without a swell of mainstream adoption, his single, E-Girls Are Ruining My Life, will be passing 100 million streams soon. With him even pushing to it, trying to get it over that hump today, writing, speed run, E-Girls 100 million, hose mad. So one, congrats in advance to him, but also two, I think it really highlights the, the power dynamics have shifted so greatly, and it's all because of people like you. One becomes two, becomes four, becomes a force. Then, in crypto news, Bitcoin prices have continued to climb and climb and climb, reaching a new high of $48,000. Part of this, possibly driven by Tesla's recent announcement that it had purchased $1.5 billion of the cryptocurrency. Also, of course, announcing that it may begin accepting Bitcoin as a form of payment for its products. The price is also seemingly being driven up by a number of other companies that have since begun to warm up to Bitcoin. 
For example, yesterday, MasterCard said that it plans to open up its network to select cryptocurrencies later this year. And today, you had America's oldest bank, BNY Mellon, announcing that it would start offering services for several cryptocurrencies, including Bitcoin. With a bank saying, BNY Mellon is proud to be the first global bank to announce plans to provide an integrated service for digital assets. And while yes, of course, on the other side of this, you have companies like PepsiCo that have said that while they've looked into Bitcoin, its price still remains too speculative for them to feel comfortable buying. You also have companies kind of in the middle, like Uber, where Uber CEO told CNBC today that the company doesn't plan on buying any Bitcoin, but it would consider accepting cryptocurrencies as a payment. Also, for transparency's sake, I think I'm going to do this anytime moving forward with crypto, just because I think it is important that if someone is talking about it, they also let you know where they stand. None of this is advice, nor is it a recommendation, and I currently hold Bitcoin and Celo. Then, I should definitely mention the update today that unlike with condoms, the CDC is recommending you double bag it when it comes to face masks. That's right, after months of debate, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention have finally updated their guidelines to recommend the wearing of two face masks, saying that during experiments, they found that a single mask only blocked around 40% of cough particles, but two masks combined blocked over 90% of those particles. And this new recommendation comes at a unique time, where the number of new cases, hospitalizations, and even deaths is on its way down now, but it also comes as more contagious variants of COVID-19 are popping up all over the country. So now is not yet the time to get complacent about this. Also, I do want to note, when they say two masks, they mean a disposable mask underneath a cloth mask, with the CDC noting that the second mask should push the edges of the inner mask against your face. And connected to that, this is actually just one recommendation and a push to ensure people go out with better fitting masks. Right, other recommendations include things like wearing a mask with a wire nose and using a mask fitter or brace. Also, it is now legal to punch someone in the nose if their nose is hanging out of their mask. Why are you even wearing a mask? Cover that schnauze of yours, you dummy. Also, to the people who take off their mask when they sneeze, I just, it hurts my head. Also, uh, on the note of masks, very important to mention this, federal authorities yesterday announced that millions of masks bought by hospitals, medical institutions, and government agencies in at least five states were all clever counterfeits. Many of those masks reportedly bore the 3M logo and were shipped in boxes that read made in the USA, even though neither of those statements were true. An official from Homeland Security's investigation saying we don't know if they meet the standards. So officials have had to spend the last several weeks collecting the counterfeit masks and replacing them with legitimate ones. And if I can just say something with this story, if you made counterfeit masks during a pandemic, I would like to take you to a dark room with a baseball bat. That's a special kind of scumbag. Then in which celebrity are people freaking out about today news, we have actress Gina Carano. If you're unfamiliar, she played Cara Dune in The Mandalorian, and she has reportedly been dropped by Lucasfilm and UTA following offensive social media posts, with a lot of the focus being on her Instagram, where yesterday she shared this post. The part I blurred uh, appears to show a Jewish woman running away from people, including a child. Some of the text reading, Jews were beaten in the streets not by Nazi soldiers, but by their neighbors, even by children. Because history is edited, most people today don't realize that to get to the point where Nazi soldiers could easily round up thousands of Jews, the government first made their own neighbors hate them simply for being Jews. How is that any different from hating someone for their political views. Right, one of the main reactions to that is you had people saying, did you just compare being a Republican, being a conservative, to being a Jew during the Holocaust? And there were also other things, like a, a man wearing masks all over his face with the, the text, meanwhile in California. Also, I should note, it wasn't just yesterday, right? She's come under fire in the past for posting things that people found offensive or controversial on social media. Among other things in the past, she's uh, she's mocked masks, expressed distrust in vaccines and mail-in voting, claimed there was fraud in the election, like tweets suggesting 
suggesting that racism is not an issue in America. And uh, people thought she was making fun of trans and non-binary people by putting joke pronouns in her Twitter profile, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But because of this latest post, you had people again posting and trending fire Gina Carano. And ultimately all of that led to Lucasfilm eventually releasing a statement saying, Gina Carano is not currently employed by Lucasfilm and there are no plans for her to be in the future. Nevertheless, her social media posts denigrating people based on their cultural and religious identities are abhorrent and unacceptable. But also like often happens with situations like this, while there are a lot of people that have been pushing for it, there are also people defending Gina Carano, saying this is yet another example of cancel culture run amok. So you had people using the hashtag, we love Gina Carano, some saying they would cancel Disney Plus. You had politicians like Senator Ted Cruz also chiming in, tweeting Texan Gina Carano broke barriers in the Star Wars universe. Not a princess, not a victim, not some emotionally tortured Jedi. She played a woman who kicked ass and who girls looked up to. She was instrumental in making Star Wars fun again. Of course, Disney canceled her. But also, uh, according to Hollywood Reporter, there were sources that say that Lucasfilm has actually been looking for a reason to fire her for two months now, with yesterday's post seemingly being the final straw for them. And then let's definitely talk about the updates around Tessica Brown, AKA Gorilla Glue Girl, though that name isn't entirely accurate because reportedly she is actually 40 years old. So if you somehow missed it, Tessica Brown is the woman who went viral for applying Gorilla Glue spray to her hair, a product that is not for hair, but rather like bonding glass to glass and leather products, like, like heavy duty stuff. And it essentially just turned her hair into one solid thing. And where we last left off with this story is that there was a plastic surgeon that said, hey, I think I can help you, we'll do it for free. So I wanted to provide an update for two reasons. One, as someone that was critical of Tessica Brown with the stipulation that I only stand by those words, if the TMZ reporting is true that she is considering actually suing Gorilla Glue, I wanted to make sure that I reported that she has responded to that report and denied it. No, I, I know, I've never, Ever, ever say that. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I, again, I don't know where all of this is coming from because at this point, everybody's saying it. And even as someone as cynical as me, I'm gonna take Tessica at her word here because while yes, it is still a very stupid accident, the only bad feelings I had were connected to a potential lawsuit. And two, it appears that that plastic surgeon actually did fix Tessica's hair. Reportedly, he used a mixture of medical grade adhesive remover, aloe vera, and olive oil with a small amount of acetone, with him putting her under light anesthesia for what ended up being a four hour procedure. And uh, TMZ has since uploaded clips showing Tessica getting very emotional as she's finally able to run her hands through her hair. And very luckily and surprisingly, her scalp was actually more irritated than damaged. And the doctor was able to save a ton of her natural hair. Then in I watched day two of the impeachment trial, so you didn't have to news. I'll try to make it way more consumable. Day two was entirely focused on the prosecution. And there, the house managers laid out their case, tying the violence at the Capitol directly to Trump. With easily the most notable part of the day being the never before seen security footage that they played that showed how close some of the nation's top leaders came to the pro-Trump mob. One of the most jarring clips showing Mike Pence and his family being raced to evacuate, which was shown alongside footage of the mob shouting, hang Mike Pence. As the rioters reached the top of the stairs, they were within 100 feet of where the vice president was sheltering with his family. And they were just a feet away from one of the doors to this chamber, where many of you remained at that time. The manager's also showing other disturbing footage like Chuck Schumer heading down one hallway, then quickly running the opposite way at the direction of law enforcement. And probably the most widely talked about clip was the one that showed another instance of officer Eugene Goodman being a hero. Goodman, of course, the officer who had already been widely praised for guiding a mob away from the Senate chambers so senators could evacuate. And now in this never before seen footage, we saw Goodman running past Mitt Romney who was headed in the direction of the riots and telling him to go the other way. With Goodman then heading down to confront the mob, which was just a floor below and looking for the Senate 
that chamber. Romney, for his part, said that he had never seen that footage and that he had no idea how close he had been to that mob, saying that it was an emotional viewing experience. Additionally, the House managers spent a lot of time connecting Trump to the scenes of violence, outlining the timeline of events leading up to the insurrection, right? noting that he had been spreading false election claims since spring and saying that the only way he could lose is if the election was rigged, showing instances where Trump encouraged or supported violence from his supporters, like telling the Proud Boys to stand back and stand by. So after Trump supporters surrounded a Biden campaign bus in Texas and caused a collision, Trump endorsed that violence and tweeted, these patriots did nothing wrong. Prosecutors then, of course, detailing all of Trump's attempts to overturn the election, saying that he first filed dozens of lawsuits, but when that didn't work, he went on to pressure and directly threaten election officials. With them arguing that when all that then failed, violence was his last option, and he turned to his supporters who he had been stirring up for months. Going on to note that Trump planned and promoted the Stop the Steal rally, calling it wild, and on the day of the event, explicitly telling the crowd, and if you don't fight like hell, you're not gonna have a country anymore. And then adding that Trump refused to put out that fire he started for hours. And eventually later that day, releasing a video where he told these people he loved them. So that is essentially yesterday hyper condensed. And today uh, is the last day for the prosecution to argue the case. And the House managers will have another eight hours to conclude why the Senate should convict Trump. And then what'll follow is you'll have Trump's lawyers getting 16 hours to present their defense where people close to the matter have said that they will argue that Trump's remarks are protected under the First Amendment and do not meet the legal definition of incitement. So with it being 16 hours, hours, that could last two days, but notably, uh, just today, sources told reporters that Trump's defense might not use their full 16 hours and will try to finish their arguments in one day. Which, if true, makes sense. Honestly, the more they talk at this point, the, the more vulnerable they become. It, it seems like they have a lockdown vote with Republicans. So why mess with a sure thing? Just say it's protected by the First Amendment. Sure, he said those other things, but he also said these other things that, that seem to counteract the other stuff he said. Which, I mean, having covered Trump this long, it, it's just how he talks to escape responsibility. But hey, that's a story, and then, of course, my observation and opinion on it. And, of course, with this and, honestly, anything else I covered today that stuck out to you, I would love to know your thoughts in those comments down below, because this is the end of the show. As always, thank you for being a part of my daily dives into the news, subscribing, hitting that like button, all the good stuff. But for today's outro, I want to do something a little bit different, kind of a la Jon Stewart, give you a moment of zen. And today, that moment of zen is my son Carter during a uh, secret live stream I did for people on the text line, uh, sharing a new word and phrase that he apparently learned. Isn't that weird, Lindsay? Um, um, Wait, what'd you just say? I just say fuck. No, don't say that. I'm fucking. No, stop it. <laughs>